0: From Bristol, UK, I'm Pommy Harmer. I'm Melissa Shamam, and this is The Quarantini.
1: We've been bringing you this podcast for a whole year to keep your spirits up. In each episode, we celebrate ingenious responses to the virus. We have
0: in-depth interviews. And always add a dash of the unexpected. Mostly music like this song, Hot Flu by the Old Bones Collective. Thank you very much to our friend Seb Gutierrez. Hello and welcome back. So coming up in this show, we have a roundup of creative ideas from around the world.
1: And of course, we have our favourite music tracks. And very excitingly, this time we have Lady Nade. but let's start with our interview yes for me this
0: week i'm talking to a very unique artist her name is susan thompson and she's a visual artist uh, creating video art and films she's worked with documentary footage archives but also very artistic films and her latest one is a reflection mirroring what we've been through so she addresses a lot of issues problems tensions around the coronavirus crisis in a film called the cytokine storms but she also mentions a lot of issues related to colonialism in her series called ghost empire for instance but also in cytokine storms so here is an extract from the trailer
2: on my walk i saw a funeral over the hill The black cars, parked, people standing, flowers on graves, and it reminded me, I thought, probably a Covid death, and it probably needn't have been. Collective risk, that you could become murderer, or murdered.
0: So, Susan Thompson is Scottish, she's based in between Ireland and southern England, and she wrote an essay recently in an art review called Circa, based in Ireland, um, I know the editor really well, and that made me watch her film. And I realized that this sort of film normally is in a gallery, it travels in festivals, but that gave us a chance to see it much more widely. So you can go to the website Circa Art Magazine and search for Cytokine Storms, C Y T O K I N E. Um, the films are directed and written by Thompson, who's also a um, creative writer. So it's a very lyrical essay that explores the colonial echoes of the UK government's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So for us, I found in Bristol, it's extremely relevant. I got mesmerised by the film and we caught up recently to discuss more about this.
2: Only come into hospital if your lips turn blue and your chest pain becomes unbearable. Only come into hospital if your lips turn blue and your chest pain becomes unbearable. Send them away. No oxygen. He says the Empire, having appropriated everything else from its colonies, now appropriates its pain. Here she
3: is. Originally, I'm from Scotland and then I've been living in Ireland uh, since I was about 25 and then sort of between Ireland and the UK for the last five years. And I started out studying literature, French and German literature, actually at university and then a few different sort of uh, career possibilities and then basically started doing some live art and drawing and it kind of went from there. I then did a lot of video art. I eventually went back, did an MA in in fine art in Dublin. It was about 12, 13 years ago. I think that was really a, a sort of useful point where I started actually making more video art and then short films. And after that, um, I got some arts council funding, kind of made the sort of first short film after that called Fire Practice Theatre, which was, it was kind of very meta, <laughs> if you like. It's um fire fighters practising on this tower in a fire station, along with actors playing firefighters. So it's kind of like a slightly slightly somnambulant, dreamlike, strange, traumatic memory, maybe, and a piece of theatre, kind of Brechtian theatre, or functional theatre as well. Maybe even the, the sort of recent piece that you're talking about, and the cytokine storms about the pandemic, about the the UK government response to it, and looking at how that relates to kind of very old colonial responses to, for example, the Irish famines, the Indian famines over the last number of centuries. And it too has a kind of slightly dreamlike sense a kind of free associative quality where it, it just kind of moved from idea to, to idea and, and scene to scene.
0: Yes. So, of course, with the pandemic, artists have been suffering tremendously. It's really hard to work in a specific place, to work with other artists. And you came up with that project. So you mentioned this film, site in Storms, right? Yes. And this is really a remarkable piece reflecting on what we've all been through. And then, as you said, incorporating some of the work that you've done around domination and power imbalance that is basically centered on like sort of colonial ideas. And your own experience is kind of threading together questions around what we live here in the UK, what you can see through Irish history and what other people in other what we call, unfortunately, minority in the UK have been really dealing with all that through the eyes of the pandemic so that's quite remarkable it's, it's almost difficult to pin down with words but how did it come about for you I mean how did you start did you have in mind what it would become or is it one of this art piece that just became itself while doing it
3: yeah it was partly a film that that could be made during lockdown was sort of part of the proposal really it was something that, that had to be made either with quite simple new material that you could actually film or obviously using archive and that was what occurred to me that suddenly I kind of realized that I had all this filmed material that I'd just collected over the years. I don't really know why I'd collected it. You know, I'd gone to demos, I'd filmed things whether it was for the prorogue of Parliament or whether it was sort of water marches in Ireland or you name it. You know, I'd, I'd filmed them and I mean along with other pieces of footage too, but I started to think about the body and about space and you've got these thousands of people there, you know, all sort of squashed together some of the time and then you've got sort of some lockdown sort of silence and and very few people. So I was thinking a lot about space and the right to protest and sort of who can take up space and I was thinking about Me Too and I was thinking about, you know, sort of wild animals coming into human space that are humans sort of um, encroaching into their space really and uh, kind of this being part of the problem in terms of resulting in pandemics Um, when you look at, transmission of disease so I was thinking of just about bodies really in space and I thought oh you could actually sort of look at at now this very historical moment that we're living through and also sort of 2015 to 2020 which was sort of the most kind of footage I had of both Ireland and of the UK and really see it as a very historical moment because you've got Brexit and everything that's happened both in Britain and in Ireland as a result of that and you've also got now got this pandemic so it's very much a historical moment but because we're living through it you don't usually see it from kind of above or in a more philosophical way. It's hard almost to sort of remove yourself from the present and so yeah and I just wanted to create something a little bit more lyrical a bit more poetic really again to really just express a lot of the anger and emotion and, and upset that I felt about how it was being handled the kind of sociopathic attitudes that sometimes seem to be particularly on sort of populist nationalist governments and uh, the UK government seemed to have some of those aspects it might not be the the worst one but it, certainly it wasn't the best either yeah it was it was a way to express that the materials I kind of had in the cupboard so to speak really.
0: Definitely so of course we encourage our our listeners to watch it and we might play a little clip but also um, I mean it feels um, incredibly almost um, like a serendipity with all these questions in the air and we also mentioned Black Lives Matter but one more element that's interesting is that you would probably normally show this film in a gallery um probably in Ireland where you're based then and, and that year gave you an opportunity to to address it online for it to be shared on with by different art magazines on their websites so it's also another way to relate maybe to your audience and to create a dialogue or or to get some feedback so how has it impacted your life to be able to share your art differently as well Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, um, normally I would submit
3: it first to film festivals, actually, and then maybe show it also in galleries and then universities. So in a way, showing online has been really very immediate and very good. I think maybe it'll be interesting for me to see sort of mid to long term how the film kind of pans out doing it this way, because in a way it excludes applying or showing it in a lot of film festivals if you've already shown it online. So it slightly closes down that avenue, but maybe it opens up some more interesting possibilities as well. And I'm hoping that it will still be possible to to do some of those more conventional routes, but just a slightly different way of getting there. Because I think the, the subject matter did suit it being immediately viewable for people and to see in different places online. I think that was right. That definitely adds a larger audience as well.
0: We, the Quarantine Podcast, are based in Bristol for many, many reasons, and we have had this sort of echo of all these battles. Bristol is a city that's very easily fired up against anything too conservative or any government mishandling of uh, social events. We had a lot of protests recently. A last year for Black Lives Matter, this year for, as you said, women protection, but also a kill the bill demonstrations. So all these elements seem to be like following a natural flow through all your films. Because I, I I need to mention you've already worked on other colonial problems with films in Cyprus, in Ireland, and also dealing with responses in sort of di- different groups in society, including sexual minorities or LGBTQ plus. How do you? Yeah,
3: that? yeah, there is this uh, sort of post colonial thread that's running through basically all really of my work in the last, um, well, 10 years, I guess. Um, So the the Ghost Empire trilogy, I made film about Singapore, northern Cyprus and Belize. There were court cases, constitutional challenges and one challenge to the European Court of Human Rights for Cyprus that were challenging the anti-gay laws there that were all British colonial laws. When I started the project back in 2011, there were 45 countries worldwide that actually used these British colonial laws still to criminalise LGBTQ people. And now there are 34, I think it is on the last count, but um, it's still a, a huge number of countries really using these these colonial laws. So that was very much a labour of love. There were Arts Council films, but it's been a huge project really. I'm just finishing at the moment the third film on Belize there is this, this kind of interest in the kind of almost different time zones that, that seem to kind of occupy the same space so you've got this history kind of in the present tense really in the sense of these colonial laws and in the same way in the cytokine storms you've got this old colonial attitudes that's still somewhat there so yeah I'm, I'm very interested in that like you would find in a sort of your own unconscious, that where time just doesn't really seem to exist in a chronological way, it just exists in a, a sort of melting pot of memory and different time zones All at the same time.
0: Yes, that's very interesting. It makes me think of Carl Jung and the way he said, you know, that society has its own unconscious, right? The collective unconscious. And you're digging into this almost as if you could see some of the ghosts that most people don't have the sensitivity to (laughs) perceive and it comes through. So you're originally Scottish and you live in Ireland. Uh, Do you have plans to show more of your work in the United Kingdom?
3: I've been showing the work uh, both in, in Britain and in Ireland and, and also elsewhere, quite a lot actually in Mexico and Mumbai and New York and various places. Mm-hmm. And I, I showed Cyprus again last year, the Ghost Empire Cyprus and the, a, a Queer Asia kind of charity event that was, uh, was online, um, obviously. But, but I've shown also in Iniva, the Stuart Hall Library in London,
2: Victoria Station. A conversation I had with Belly. One minute. What is one minute? When time has now stood still. The curve of the cliff downwards. Ticket Inspector. He spat in your face. A man by the sea spat towards me. All you need is kindness.
0: Thank you mm. so much, Suzanne.
3: No, thank you so much. Um, that was it. Was great to talk
0: to you. Brilliant. That was Susan Thompson, a British and Irish artist based between Brighton and Dublin.
1: And now it's time for our roundup, right?
0: Shall we start in Bristol, our beloved city? Well, I'm really excited because we're in May, even though. As we record, it's not like the most strikingly bright spring weather. But on the 17th of May, as you know, most of our cultural ins- institutions will reopen. And that involves a lot of places here in Bristol, including venues, museum, art galleries and they're almost ready. Uh, I wanted to name a few events as well. So the Bristol Photo Festival has got an uh, inaugural series of exhibitions that will begin as early as the 15th of May all around the city, and then they'll have more events in some of the venues. Uh, Upfest, or a very famous internationally recognised street art festival, is also scheduled for late August, but as soon as mid-May they'll have the new murals popping up all over Bedminster, which is in South Bristol, for our listeners away. Uh, Spike Island will reopen on the 17th with a solo show by a very acclaimed um, artist, um, Caribbean British artist, Veronica Ryan. And my very dear Arnold Feeney was also reopening on the 17th and will host in the summer a very anticipated exhibition by Frank Bowling, the famous painter. Finally, M-Shed is also preparing an exhibition, and I don't know if you knew, Pommy, about street art, and especially street art in Bristol. Uh, It was set up to be open last summer in 2020, but of course it was postponed. It's called Vanguard, and it will open on the 26th of June, and I'll talk maybe a bit more about it, because I'll be part of it in some way. You're going to be part
1: of it? That's exciting. In what way? I'm not going to
0: make any mural, I promise.
1: (laughs) Well, I can't wait to hear more about that. As we know, the COVID pandemic has forced the cancellation of many, many events, but the British Town Crier Championships will not be one of them. The criers will still gather to be seen, but not heard. This year, the competition is being held a little more quietly and socially distanced. And so the criers will go head to head with their words, but not their decibels.
0: Great news here in Britain as well. Some researchers have got a wonderful idea, and I was you know, puzzled by this problem for so many weeks. They found a novel use for old face masks. Yes, it comes from a Cornish social enterprise. They looked forward and now they're offering this solution to hips blue plastic face coverings, right? They've left behind everywhere, including in our streets by the pandemic. Um, The charity is called Waterhole and they normally recycle fishing nets and plastic waste. So the team has launched a project to melt the old mask into plastic blocks and they will be reused to make new products. And you know what? The first item, appropriately, will be litter picker. Oh. The social enterprise is trialing with the, uh, this initiative with the Royal Cornwall Hospital NHS Trust. And um, the trust will pay uh, for the face masks to be reused. And they also have a Kickstarter campaign. So look up online if you want to help.
1: That's fantastic news, but not as fantastic as an animal story I found for you, Melissa. A herd of deer has been seen grazing on the grass outside an estate in East London. Oh. They had walked all the way across the busy A12 in Harold Hill in Romford from their home in Dagenham Park. They're thought to be one of five herds in the area that have been breeding there for hundreds of years. But, and this is quite important, a local conservation group has requested that people give the animals space and warned against taking selfies with them. And you should go and see the pictures. They're literally outside where people live.
0: Well, for me, you know that I, I'm a lecturer at um, the University of the West of England in our campus in Bower Ashton. It's very well known to have their own deers. We love them to bits, but yeah, we've never done any selfies so far. <laughs> so yeah, not on my list. Welcome, dears, in London. We know what you feel. <laughs> anyway, in the rest of the world, good news from the Netherlands. Um, there has been built one of the world's first habitable 3D-printed properties. So it's a house that is really, like, you know, 3D-printed. So it's a new technology that uh, allows to use very much less energy and material. They have welcomed their first inhabitants, a Dutch couple... And this technology and the people who put it into place say that it could slash building cost, of course, making property more affordable, but also reducing carbon emission because actually they need less amount of cement for construction. And cement is responsible for an estimated 8% of the world's CEO emissions, It's quite a lot. The professors in charge of uh, the project at um, the Eidhoven University of Technology said that the homes were a major step towards scaling up 3D printing technology. So, hopefully, that will help with sustainability and affordability.
1: That's amazing.
0: You should look at the photo, they're beautiful. I'd love to have one. one. Yeah, really
1: beautiful. And in Wales, I know Wales is the UK, and we're on to global features but a film documentary about a community coming together during the pandemic has won a European Film Award. The film's narrated by Falklands veteran Simon Weston and it follows the story of the Tradiga Task Force. It shows 15,000 volunteers in Blynai Gwent delivering food and prescriptions, taking people to hospital appointments and doing shopping trips for those shielding. The documentary is called Together Volunteers of a Covid Community and it won Best Film and Best Editing of a Documentary at the North European Fusion International Film Festival. Judges said they pull together to show love and humanity at its best. I think a lot of us realise why this is so important as a film that speaks to everyone across the world that kindness can go a long way. Project manager Kevin Phillips said the stars of the show are the amazing volunteers who put the needs of the community before themselves on so many occasions. They are all truly inspirational. And this is one example of many, many stories that we've brought over the year, isn't it, of, of communities gathering together and helping those that are shielding and those that are more vulnerable out so that they don't have to come out.
0: It's so inspiring. It's also very heartwarming to hear that our British task forces are up there in European film festivals. We're still somewhere together. Isn't it? And now, time for something completely different. Yes, it's our favourite part, the music, obviously. This week I'm featuring Lady Nade, a legend, an amazing voice from Bristol, a lovely, lovely woman and a friend of mine. She's got a new single, it's called Willing, and you should absolutely rush to YouTube to see the beautiful video shot in Bristol City Centre. And it's a message, a special message, she said, of acceptance, loyalty and friendship, particularly poignant at this uh, prolonged period of separation. But it's also, of course, um, to me, it related to a lot of the disputes we had this year after the Black Lives Matter protests. And it's like this lovely woman holding her hands to everyone else and all the communities in the city to just see how lucky we are to live together beautiful track i just want to add that lady nade will also have an album out uh, on every platform of the same name willing on the 18th of
2: june i will stand by
1: it for The quarantine this week. We'll be back next time with a new cocktail of ideas, music and positive news for you all.
0: And as usual, and even though our mailing box is already overloaded, we'd love to hear from you. So do email us at thequarantinipodcast at gmail.com.
1: Stand by you. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.
0: This episode was hosted by me, Melissa Shammam.
1: And produced by me, Pomi Hama. Thank you so much for listening. And stay safe. I'm here with an open heart.